I want to talk about growing our faith, growing our faith. I'm reading a couple of verses from the scripture, and I know Pastor Nate always has a stand, so I know you just sit down, but let's honor the word and let's be true to what we have here going on. Matthew 9, 27, it should be on the screen behind me. We're going to read it together. As Jesus went, two blind men followed him, and they were calling out, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, well, do you believe? Interesting, right? That's my question for you right now. You're following after Jesus. You're here. Question is, do you believe? They were following Jesus. So some of you are, well, I'm following Jesus. No, I'm not asking that. I'm asking, do you believe? Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And he explains that because this is critical. They said, yes, Lord, we believe. So he touched their eyes. And here's what he said. And this is what I'm proposing to us today. Jesus said it clearly. Look at the text. He said, according to you, according to your faith, it'll be done. He said, do you believe? They said, yes, Lord, we believe. And he went to lay hands on them and touch them. He said, all right, now what's about to happen is not just in me. It's according to you, to your faith. And their eyes were restored. There's another verse. Let's remain standing. Mark chapter nine, verse 23. I just took a portion of it. Because it's so clear, listen to me, this is my message today, and then I want to give you some tools to add your toolbox of faith. It says, everything, can we read this together? How about us all say it together, ready? And when it's capitalized, when it's capitalized, that means you go, everything. Are you ready? Let's say it together. Everything is possible for the person who believes. If you believe that, you can be seated, amen. If you don't believe it, keep standing. <laughs> My message today is I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Sometimes I have to remind myself, I believe, I believe. I've discovered over years of walking with the Lord and I got saved when I was nine years old. And then when I was 15, I, I had a, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I do believe I got saved when I was nine, when I accepted Jesus into my life. It was a real moment. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember that moment as vivid as if it was yesterday. But I also remember when I was 15, I had an encounter with God. I was a little more mature than nine, and something happened. And I began to learn since then that faith is like a muscle. It develops and it grows when we exercise it properly. So our faith grows depending on how much we use it and how correctly we exercise it. So what I want to do is take the next few minutes, I want to give you a couple things to look at on how God grows your faith. Everybody's given a measure of faith. The scripture tells us that. Everybody believes in faith. Everybody has some faith. So I'm not sure I have any faith. Most of you sat down just now. I don't think you turned around and picked up the chair, looked under it, and wiggled the legs to make sure it was right, that it would, that it would hold you up. You just sat down on it. Why? Because you had faith that the manufacturer built it correctly, and you had faith we wouldn't buy cheap stuff. 
Say, I have faith. Say, I have faith. When you leave today, hopefully you're going to go out there, put the key in or just push the button or just whatever your car does now these days, it might just be electric. Hopefully when you turn it on, you're expecting it to turn on, start up, and you can go home. Hopefully. Why? Because we have faith. We anticipate. So here's how God builds your faith. I hope you're taking notes. I'm going to give you a couple things to write down. Very simple. The first step to building any life of faith is it starts with a dream. A dream. Nothing happens until somebody starts dreaming. Remember, God gave Noah the dream of building an ark. He gave Abraham the dream of being the father of a brand new nation. Nehemiah had a dream of going back to his homeland and rebuilding his hometown of Jerusalem. David dreamed of building the temple, a house where God could be worshiped in. So, so here's the real question about a dream. How do I know when a dream is from God? How do I know when a dream is from God? Because I dream about a lot of things and some of them aren't from God. How do I know it's really a dream for my life or that he wants me to do? Well, I can say this. I've learned this. If the dream is from God, it will be so big that you cannot do it by yourself. If a dream is from God, it's going to be bigger than you. And if you could do it, you wouldn't need faith. And if you could do it, you wouldn't need anybody around you. But if the dream is from God, it's going to require your full attention and it's going to require all the faith that you can grow. I can tell you very clearly, some of the things I used to believe for are easy now. Some of the things that I used to say, man, I need faith for this and I believe for it and then it came to pass and I grew into my faith and now what I'm believing for is way different. The dream is way bigger because I know I can't do it by myself. All that starts in your life starts with a dream. Paul said it this way, God is able to do far more than we could dare to ask or dream. It's bigger than you can imagine. He even uses words. One translator says, if you believe that God is able, he can do infinitely beyond what you can even pray for or desire or even have thoughts about. There's things God wants to do through you and for you that you haven't even conceived as a dream yet because your faith hasn't grown to that level where he can allow you to see that. Janet and I will celebrate uh, 44 years of marriage in August. And uh, <laughs> now I wish she was here because you're clapping for her more than for me. She's the one that's put in all the work. She had to live with me. What I'm saying, though, is, let me put it on this understanding. When I met her, I told her I loved her. And on the third date of us being together, I was 18 years old. We are in college. On our third date, I said, will you spend the rest of your life with me? And she so kindly but clearly said, no. <laughs> right? And she's a smart woman. 
But what I'm trying to tell you is I was given her and I, we got married. She came crawling back. And so I have to say that. You know I got to say that. It's fun. She, she looked around and, you know, I was the best package in the, in the cupboard, I guess, at that point. So she came back to me. I don't know how that worked. But I got her. But my love for her, listen to me, those of you who've been married like five years or one year or ten years. My love for her was all the love that my love had grown into. Now, 44 years later, with all of the journey she's been through, the love that we have in our relationship has grown beyond anything I imagined. So your faith does the same thing. You have faith. You know love. God's given you faith. But over time, when you go through certain things, you get through on the other side, and you're like, okay, now I'm bigger. My faith is bigger. There's things I believe for now that I didn't even dream about 25 years ago, but I'm believing for it now because I didn't have the capacity in my faith. Are you with me? God's telling some of you some things right now. He's been talking to some of you and you're trying to figure out if it's God. He wants you to take that next step, start that business, begin that small group, enroll in that class, get that degree, commit fully to your marriage. Step up and begin serving using your gifts in, in your local church right here at Skybreak. You gotta start dreaming. Some of you need to write down what you woke up thinking about at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. and you're like, well, I'll just deal with that in the morning and then you can't remember it. You need to write it down. Some of you have a thought going down the road. Pull over to the side, write it down, talk it into your phone, and then meditate on it. You want to get a dream? Write it down, meditate on it, and then ask some people you trust whom you know have wisdom what they see and think about it. Remember, because when you get a dream, sometimes it's a little fuzzy. Ask <laughs> Joseph. You don't see it all. Joseph in the Bible, you don't see it all. You see, this is great, but sometimes you don't see behind the scenes what it's gonna take for that dream to take place. It's gonna be bigger than you. Now, let me say this about being certain or sure. Some of you say, but, but I'm not 100% sure if I should do that. Can I be real clear with you? You'll never be 100% sure. <laughs> you'll, you'll never be 100%. Matter of fact, can I just, let me take the pressure off. If you're about 65% sure this can happen, you should probably do it. No amens on that. Did you hear that? People are like, what? That's why some of these dreams aren't happening in your life because you got to, you, let me get to the next point. You got to have a dream and then you got to make a decision. If you're about 65 or 70% sure this might work, you got to step into it. You start making decisions. You must do something about your dream. You know that faith is really a verb. It is active. It's not passive. It requires a response. Decision making is a faith building activity. To make a decision, you gotta do a couple things. I wrote down, <laughs> the first thing you gotta do if you're gonna make a decision about a dream is you gotta make an investment. It's not gonna come easy. You, you gotta invest time, 
you got to invest thoughts, meditation. You got to be willing to invest money. You got to be willing to lay your reputation on the line. You got to be willing to give energy, even when you're tired, push through. You got to commit. Are y'all here with me? Some instructions today. If if you're going to have a dream, it's going to be bigger than you if it's from God. And then it's going to require something of you. You got to commit to endurance. It's going to cost you. If it's easy, (laughs) there's an old saying, hadn't heard it much lately. But if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So if you're gonna have if you're gonna have a dream, you gotta make a decision and it's gonna cost you something. You gotta be willing to invest and you've got to let go of some security. God told Abraham he would use him to build a new nation, but he's gonna have to leave his family and his homeland and follow God and say, Well, where are we going, God? And he says, I'll tell you when we get there. And most of us don't like that. What if Siri, or what if your maps thing, you said, Siri, tell me how to get somewhere in maps, and then they said, I'll let you know when you arrive, and you just start driving. No, I want to know the next turn. I want to see it laid out in the little line, you know. I want to know, but with God, sometimes he's like, you just hold my hand, and I'll, 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 let, I'll show you. Moses had to let go of the probability of becoming the next Pharaoh over Egypt in order to do what God had placed him in Egypt to do. I don't know if you've been to the circus, haven't been in a long time, but I, in my mind, can vividly remember the high-flying trapeze people who are out of their mind. Some of them pull the net back. You know that one part of the show where they take the safety net and they pull it back and I'm like, okay, get ready for blood. It's, this isn't, anything can happen. Because if you ever noticed, you know, they're on one, they climb up this pole and they got a little platform about as big as a piece of toilet paper and they're standing on it and, and they have a, you know, a rope and a bar and they swing out and somebody way over here Let's the bar go about the right time so that when they swing out, they can let go and grab the next bar. But if you ever notice, they can't grab both bars and hold on to them at the same time. They're too far apart. They have to fly out and let go of where they are to grab the next thing coming to them. And for a period of time, for a split second, they're just in midair. And I think I look at some of your faces and you're like... You're in midair right now. It's like, I don't know where God is, but I'm just flying through the air. I know where you're at. Been there before. Because I let go of some things to trust God, and I'm like, where is it coming from? What's next? That's called trusting the Lord. But if you don't let go of where you are, there's, there's a sure fact that it's impossible to grab the next opportunity God is bringing to you and putting in front of you. So some of you need to have the courage to let go. You need to make a decision. It's gonna cost me everything, and at some point, I just gotta follow God, and I don't know where it's gonna take me, but it's gonna be good. So God's given you a dream. It's gonna take all the faith you can grow Then the dream requires a decision that's gonna cost you. You gotta let go of something. And then thirdly, God grows our faith by allowing delays. 
You know, we never thought in College Station, Bryan, Texas, would ever have traffic problems. But get on Highway 6 at 5 o'clock in front of the mall, and people are hitting their brakes. We actually have rush minute. <laughs> delays. I hate delays. One time, right over here, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I was in town here. I pulled into a drive-through. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. At the speaker, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Back up, pull up, waiting. Trying to trigger that thing to make them talk to you. Hey, I'm out here, honk, honk. Nothing, because it's around behind the building. They couldn't see me. I ordered. This car's still in front of me. I ordered. I waited. I wa I'm still sitting in the line. It's been over 10 minutes. Now, 10 minutes is not a long time until you're sitting at a drive-thru <laughs> with kids. And I'm trying to get out of town. We're, you know, it's that last, we're like, going out of town, grab something to snack on, here we go. And now we're just sitting there. And I'm like, I was so frustrated. Pardon me, I didn't have a Skybreak shirt on or anything. But I got out of, I got out of my car. I looked at the guys behind me. I said, can y'all back up? Back up, back up. They backed out. I backed out of that drive-thru line and I left. I don't know who paid for my food <laughs> or who got it. Pastor, you wouldn't do that. I did. I, the delay was more than I could take. There's always a waiting period with God. He didn't promise you that you get your dream today and tomorrow it gets to be fulfilled. Seed Seed doesn't grow overnight. Ask any farmer. We're pregnant. Now we get to wait 39 weeks if it's at the beginning. Wait. But say wait. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm waiting for it. There's always a waiting period. You know, you go to the doctor and they say, sit in the waiting room. They give you a time to be there and then 35, 40 minutes later, they call you in. I'm like, who's scheduling all of this stuff? You need a better, you need to do a better job. Why don't we schedule it the other way around? Tell me when the doctor's gonna be there and then I'll show up, he can wait for me. But, you go in, have a seat, wait over here, just wait, just wait over here. Here's what the Bible says, Habakkuk chapter two, it says, but these things won't happen, the things you plan, <laughs> they won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. One translator writes it this way, he says, though it lingers, wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. This is where most people start asking when. We had three grandchildren with us on Saturday morning. We were driving back home, Janet and I, and had Chan and uh, Mally and Fallon in the car. And Fallon finally says, are we almost there? And it was only an hour's drive. And she was asleep part of that time. I'm like, really? And I bought you a vanilla milkshake and you're still asking, when are we gonna be there? Drink your milkshake. But we all say that, right? 
Because we don't like to wait. Like, God, are we there yet? Am I there yet? When are you gonna do this, God? When are you gonna show up, God? When are you gonna step in, God? Are we there yet? Have you ever noticed when you're in a hurry, God is not in a hurry? And I think sometimes the more you get in a hurry, the more God says, I'm just gonna keep pumping the brakes. <laughs> Why? Why? Let me talk about this. Because God usually wants to work on you before he works on anything else. You know why? Because God's gotta get you ready for what he already has ready for you, but he's gotta get you ready. I don't like that, but I understand it. Every effective believer in history has had to go through the school of waiting. And some of us in this room are still getting our degree and we're still waiting. I'm still waiting on some things. My faith is different than it was 25, 30 years ago. It's stronger, it's bigger. I know that, I stand on it. But there's still some things that aren't happening, still some things I don't understand, still some dreams I wanna see fulfilled that, that I'm like, I don't know how that's gonna happen because it's from God. Did you know Noah waited 120 years? That's a long time, everybody. He didn't even have the internet or Wi-Fi. He didn't have a cell phone. What do you think he did all that time? 120 years. He just wasn't scrolling through his feed. 120 years. Abraham, Abraham waited 99 years before God told him, you're gonna have a baby in 99 years. Moses waited 40 years in the desert to be prepared by God. 40 years. Some of you, I remember when I thought 40 was old. Some of you still think that, yeah, 40 is old. <laughs> not when you're my age, is not 40 is young. I'm looking, it's young. <laughs> Got a few people in the room. 40 like, man, y'all just come on. Y'all still wet behind the ears. What's the matter? 40 years old, y'all ain't even lived yet. 40 years old. <laughs> Why do we wait? Because it teaches you, as the song so ably just put it, it teaches you to trust God however long it takes. And that is hard. Can I say that? That's hard. But know this, I wanna remind you of this statement. A delay is not denied. It's not denied. Not yet. You heard God say not yet, and you think he's saying not ever. He's just saying not yet. A delay never destroys God's purpose in your life. The most common reaction that we have in a delay is we start to doubt. If you're in this room and you're like, did I miss something, God? Did I misunderstand what you said? Did I, because you're getting anxious. You just need to calm down and trust God. How you handle the waiting rooms of life reveals the true level and the growth of your faith. Now, almost, I put that in red in my notes. I want you to hear that. Because Janet and I, over our journey, in my lifetime, in a lot of areas, I have had to wait, but it, share, it tells you how you can be calm in a storm. You know you're trusting God when, you're, when Jesus lays his head down on the, in the boat and the storm is going on and the disciples are all anxious and Jesus is sleeping, there's your picture. 
you learned to rest. You're like, okay, God, I don't know what's going on, but if I get anxious, I can't think clearly. I miss something. I need to really know what you're saying right now because this ain't happening, and I'm, I'm, I'm in a delay. So we get to dream. Let's review. And then a dream requires decision, and then we get delayed, and we get to wait. And then guess what, everybody? You get to have problems while you're waiting. Everybody say difficulties. So God uses the dream. He uses decisions, your delays, and then he uses difficulties to grow my faith. I found there are two kinds of problems I deal with. There are circumstances. Circumstances, where are we at? And there are critics. When God gives you a dream, there will always be criticism. You don't tell your dream to everybody. Because some people are going to ridicule you or they're going to criticize you and they're going to make you feel foolish and then you won't go there. Why would you do that? Why are you thinking that? Why would you attend there? Why would you commit that? Why do you say that? Why would you do that? Why would you go to church every week? Why would you serve? Why would you be a volunteer? Why would you give? Why would you tithe? Why would you love your wife when everybody else has two or three you know, on the side? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you? You can't listen to, to that. The world's The world's standard is not God's standard. And the world's culture is not theology and Bible culture. When God gives you a dream, there's going to be criticism and there's always going to be unforeseen circumstances. Unforeseen circumstances. Moses had one problem after another. Read through the Old Testament. Moses had one problem. I mean, while, while, while God was using him, while God was using him to lead his people out of bondage, they had no water. That was the first thing. Then they had no food. Then there were complainers. Why are we out here? I told you we should have stayed back there in slavery. You brought us out here to die. Then, then there were poisonous snakes. So, Pastor, this is not an encouraging message today. You are depressing me. I'm just telling you. Life is not a bed of roses. Life is not all peaches and cream. Life is hard. <laughs> I grew up on kind of a little farm when my dad now had some cows and horses and stuff and pigs and chickens and all. And, and life is, I, I remember the first time I watched a calf be born and that mama cow stood up and that calf fell out and boom, hit the ground from about that high off the ground. I'm like, way to go. Welcome to planet earth. Boom, the calf hit the ground and flop. I'm like, hey, you know, that's not the first thing you want to do, but life's hard. Suck it up, baby. <laughs> and if you've ever watched the ecosystem in the wild, God's system of reproduction and God's system of live and let live and live and let die, life is hard. So I'm serving God, it ought to be easy. Oh, it's easy. I like what Steve Livingston always says. He said this a, a thousand times if I've heard him say it once. If you push hard, it'll come easy. Did y'all hear that? Wisdom from a man born in Center, Texas, right there. The youngest of three brothers, he knew what wisdom was. He had two older brothers. If you push hard, it'll come easy. How I many you know that's the truth? 
If you focus, if you, if you bear down, if you be intentional, if you make wise decisions, you, you gotta, you, it's not just going to be handed to you on a silver platter. If it is, you won't appreciate it. And you won't care for it. And we have a generation today that wants everything handed to them thinking they deserve it. You, there's no entitlement here. You've got to grin and bear it. You've got to earn it. It's just the way life is. And if you don't get it that way, you'll never value it. You'll never grow your faith. When the times get rough, you bail. You run. I think, wow, Pastor Nate said those exact words last Sunday. That just hit me again. Maybe that's for somebody let me say it this way. Moses was doing God's will and he still had problems. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. For some of you that need to know, well, pastor, I just need you to pray for, I need to meet with y'all. I need to talk to somebody. I need prayer. I need to fast because I'm in, I know I'm in the will of God, but I got problems. Exactly. Because you're going against the grain, and anytime you push back on what God's given you, it's going to require difficulties. You're going to have to, tension creates strength. When Joshua followed Moses in leading the, listen to this. When Joshua followed Moses in leading God's people to the promised land, here's what the verse says. He says, all right, we're going to go to the promised land. The next verse says, now there were are they going to put it up? Do we have it? I may not have given it. Now there were giants in the land. Even in the promised land, there's problems and there's difficulty. All right, let's go. Let's wrap this up. Here's, here's a couple more. This is really important because it gets better. So I have a dream. I have to make a decision. I have delays. Difficulties come. Now I find myself at a dead end. Difficulties often lead to a dead end. In the Bible, it happened time and again. Situations went from difficult to impossible. Paul said it this way to the Corinthians. He said, we were completely overwhelmed. The burden was more than we could bear. He just admitted it. In fact, he said, we told ourselves this was the end. Then he writes on and he says, yet now we believe that we had this sense of impending disaster. We think this problem came so that we might learn to trust in God. Some things are happening so that you're like, God, I'm with you. I'm, I let go and I'm in midair and I don't know what's coming I'm in your hands. Because he said, we gotta learn to trust in God and not ourselves. He was on, at sea, the storm was raging. They didn't know what to do. They're all gonna die. And he said, we just better trust God because I don't know. If God can raise the dead, he can raise a dead marriage. If God can raise the dead, he can restore hope to you. If God can raise the dead, he can build your career starting now. If God can raise the dead, he can heal. He can do miracles. He will make a way. God will make a way. We just sang about it. A little better than that, but we sang about it. Because circumstances, listen carefully, circumstances often become impossibilities before we get our answer. The disciples, let's put it in perspective, left everything 
to follow Jesus. And the next thing they know, he's hanging on a cross and he dies. Pretty much a dead end. Well, he said, yeah, but at that moment, just we all look past it. Yeah, but he rose on the third day. Yeah, but go back to that night. Go back to Friday. What are we going to do? Because some of you are there right now. It's like the door is shut. D- did I miss something, God? Is this really God's plan for me? You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament? They said, if God delivers us, we win. But if not, we still win. Because oftentimes you get to a dead end before you get to the final thought today, which is a deliverance. A deliverance. I like what Paul went on to say. He said, God has delivered and he will deliver again. David said, I'm expecting the Lord to rescue me again so that I will see his goodness to me. Do you know God loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections? Dead ends into deliverance. Why? Because we knew it was him and we we were just a vessel. You know the best response to a dead end is to expect God to show up? Just expect him to show up. What are you expecting from God? And let me just bring it full circle and I'll be done. December, chemo, quit working. Tried a new chemo in January, February, March, nothing. March, the doctor says, I don't know what else to do. We're done. At least four times in our 26-year journey, Janet has faced a dead end. We're like, we're out of drugs. We don't know what to do. There's no chemo options. Go to MD Anderson, see if there's a trial, see if there's something. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And we've been there since Christmas. Go to MD Anderson several times. Well, maybe this, maybe that trial. We'll see if you qualify for this. All the time tumors are growing. It's like, where are you at, God? Dead end. No, no options. 26 years, but no options. But we were just there. I was pretty much in a pit. It was heavy. Still is heavy. And then the bright idea was, let's re-biopsy the tumor. Said so one doctor said they mutate. They change. So I said, well, what do I said, let's biopsy it then. What are we waiting for? So we biopsy, and they came back and said, the DNA of the tumors have changed. There's a new drug that just came out. I've never given it before, but she can try that. Well, okay. Well, why don't we try that? <laughs> uh, and you're clapping, and I thank you for that, because everybody's got a story. I want you to know I relate to stories where it seems like there's a dead end. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm asking, I'm looking at Janet, and she's like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm just like, I know where you're at. If, you're, if you've been there, you feel like my marriage, I'm just done. I don't know what else to do, or my career, I'm sick of it, or I'm, whatever it is, I, I'm sick of my life. Don't quit. Maybe you just need to do another biopsy. (laughs) Open things up a little bit. See what's really in there. Because things can change. So now she's been 30 days on this new drug and that's why it's side effects and all that stuff. But at least I'm like, well, is this deliverance again? Is this opportunity again? Because, (laughs) you know, 
Some of you feel like I'm there. Here's my message title. I want you to say to yourself, I believe. I want us to sing this song. The team's gonna come out and we're gonna worship the Lord. This song is really powerful. It's a moment of reflection about believing. And I want you to sing it as a prayer. Nobody moving, nobody leaving. Please, church is not over. This is a moment where God's word has been spoken. Now he wants it to be implanted in your heart. Let's sing this. Let's worship. And if it's you, if you're at that moment, I want you to stand at whatever point when the message is speaking to you and say, Lord, I believe. Come on, let's do it together.
these challenges that we're facing, we lay them at your feet. We lay them at your feet. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray you would breathe new life again. I pray you would breathe hope again. I pray you would bring a dream again. Give us determination and endurance and grit and fortitude to stand in the name of Jesus. Father, you see every heart, you know every story under the sound of my voice right now. And you are God. And if we worship you, if we'll lean into you, you are there. Father, restore courage and hope and freedom and peace. In Jesus' name, we trust you. I believe. I believe. And maybe you're in this room and you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says Jesus came. History proves it. The Bible is right. Jesus came to Jerusalem a couple thousand years ago, lived on this earth. At the age of 33, he was crucified. He was God's son, because on the third day he rose again. He, he came back to life. He not only was a great prophet and teacher, but he was the son of God, sent to buy our salvation. He stood in the garden of Gethsemane as he prayed and said, Father, if it be possible, don't take this away from me. I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna go through with it, it's too painful because he took on your sin, he took on my sin, the sin of the world, and he went to a cross and he allowed them to crucify him and he gave up his life as a human sacrifice for all of our sin. I'm so thankful for that. And now he said, if you will believe in him, just believe in Jesus, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe in you as Lord and Savior of my life. I can turn my heart to you today, believe that you died for me, and heaven will be my home. Every head bowed, please, just for a moment. Wherever you are watching, listening, take a moment of reflection. And I want to count to three. And on three, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a moment of repentance, to surrender to Jesus, to invite him into your life. And if that's you that says, I want to pray that prayer, whether you're rededicating your life to the Lord today or you've never said I believe. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so I'll know who I'm praying for. And I'm gonna lead all of us in a prayer. Now, if you're a believer today, you should be praying right now under the sound of your voice, under your, under your breath, for everybody in this room, everybody listening somewhere, watching somewhere. Ready? If you wanna say, Pastor, I wanna believe. I want Jesus to be real in my life. I wanna surrender to him today. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Heads bowed all across the room. Are you ready? One, 
two, get ready, three. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you, thank you. Hands going up, thank you, thank you, thank you. I believe, I believe. I believe. Thank you for doing that. Wherever you're watching and listening from, thank you for surrendering your hymn right now. I believe, I believe, I believe. Lift that hand. Lift that hand. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those. Hold it high. Hold it high just for a moment. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If you're listening or watching somewhere, text us. Let us know. Click right there. We can talk with you. We can pray with you. All right, you can put those hands down now. Everybody look up here at me. Aren't you happy for all the people who raised their hand right now? Isn't it amazing? People who made a decision all across this room and wherever you're listening from. So let's, let's pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand. Or maybe you did like this and we didn't see it. We can still pray this prayer. Are you ready? Church, are you ready? Say this with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take away my past. Thank you for dying on a cross in my place and giving me hope and a new life. And so today, I follow you and I'll do my best <laughs> to please you. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace for saving me. Amen and amen and amen.